This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. problem waiting. Believing and having the promise of God is one thing, but it's another thing waiting. And I find that hard to do. You know, we have instant God. You know, we want instant God because you have instant cash, instant coffee, you know, instant whatever. And we want instant God. We want instant promises. We want to see the results. We want to be blessed now. And even after we finish the blessing, we want another blessing right now. Waiting, it's a problem. But Abraham waited 25 years. But can I tell you that that's when God does his best work, when you're waiting? Waiting is hard. It's hard to practice delayed gratification when the thing we want is in reach. It's easy to open the candy bar as soon as it's in your hands. Nobody's making you wait to take your new motorcycle out for a joyride. But what happens when you don't have control over when you'll receive something you've been promised? Today, Pastor Eddie encourages you that those seasons of waiting are when God can do the deepest work in your life. Well... Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Supremacy of Christ. Let us now turn to our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. We look at the word through observation, interpretation, and application, and it's important that we look at it verse by verse. Every book has a theme, every book has a message, and though it was written 2,000 years ago, we know it's in our Bibles because it's applicable for us today. Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 13 all the way to the end of the chapter. We're finally going to finish chapter 6. We've been on this for four studies, and so we'll finish it today. Verse 13, the writer of Hebrew writes this, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation, if for them at the end of all disputes." Thus God determining to show more abundantly, more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who has fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the present behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For those of you who are taking notes in verses 13 to 18, we're going to look at the promise and oath of God. The promise is an oath of God, or the pledge of God. Then in verses 19 and 20, Jesus Christ is the anchor of the soul. Well, we read the text. Let us now study the text verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. The writer goes on to say, For when God made a promise to 
Abraham. The Lord made a promise to Abraham. And so in our last study, we left off of verse 12. And in verse 12, the writer of Hebrew tells us to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And there is none that we can actually see that's, you know, the perfect example, Father Abraham, he's the father of faith. And so he gives us an example. He points out Abraham. Abraham is one who through faith and patience inherit the promise of God. Now he's known as the father of faith. Why? The Lord said, I will multiply your descendants like the stars in the sky. I'm going to make you a father of many nations, not just a nation, but nations plural. So it's not only Isaac through the Hebrews, through the Jews or Ishmael. That wasn't God's plan, but God still kept his promise. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And then those of faith. That's where you and I come in. He's the father of faith. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is what the Lord, this is what it says in Genesis 15, verse 6. And he, speaking of Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. This is an important verse for believers in Christ, because it's not based on religion, rules, and rituals. It's based on belief. The just shall live by faith is mentioned three times in the Bible. The just shall live by faith. Here we have a man who his culture was uh, of a culture that worshipped idol gods, images. Uh, and so they, he was from a culture that the, if you didn't see the God, there was no such thing as a God. But here, Abraham did not, was not raised believing in the Lord. Uh, he believed in a God that's unseen. And it says that he believed. And we're talking about believing in God before Moses. Before, so that means before the commandments were written. Not only the 10, but all 613 commandments. Before the five books were written, the Torah, the first five books in the Bible. So the Bible was not even written. The commandments were never written on stone. There was no church. There was no fellowship. Obviously, there was no Bible university or he didn't go to rabbinical school. Okay? He believed in God based on faith. That is why he's called the father of faith. And God made a promise to this man called Abraham. And here's the promise. Drop down to verse 14. In verse 14, it says, Surely blessings I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. The writer of Hebrews quoting Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. The Lord promised to Abraham that he would make him a father of many nations, multiplies the sins like the stars in the sky. Now, the Lord first called him back. Here's the order. Because it's important to understand what he believed in God, when he believed in God, and when he received the promise. Back in chapter 12 of Genesis, that's when the Lord called him. Back in Genesis 12. Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what the Lord said. Now the Lord said to Abram, that's his first name before his name was Abraham. He says, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. That means leave where you are. Leave America. (laughs) And leave your family, okay? And he says, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. We're talking about thousands of years his name is great. And God has fulfilled that promise. We move now forward to Genesis 21. In Genesis 21 is when he finally received the promise, what God has promised him. It says in Genesis 21 verse 5, it says, and Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. The Lord, you know, which, you know, the Lord made a promise and God fulfilled it. 
Okay, he called him in, in chapter 12. He was considered righteous in, in, in verse 15. Now we go to chapter 21. And now seven, he was 75 years old when the Lord first called him. Now he's 100 years old. So he waited 25 years for the promise God has made to him. I don't know about you, but I have a problem waiting a week for the promise God to let alone a, a, a month or a year or five or 25 years. Oy vey, that's a long time. And you know what? You can go through life and it's, you know, that's where the challenge comes because it may seem like, because you don't know when it's coming. Now he, he knows he's waited 25 years because it, it took him up to 25 years to know he's going to wait 25 years. But when he first heard the word, he may have think, well, it might take 10 years. Think about it. He was a man of faith. God fulfilled the promise. By faith, he waited for 25 years. But Abraham's faith continued after the Lord blessed him with a son. Blessed him with a son. You know, I'm just thinking in the background, this is not in the Bible. I'm not misquoting scripture here. I just like to think outside of it. I say, you know, it's like, okay, Abraham, you got your son, right? You waited 25 years, you're 100. Okay, now I want you to go sacrifice him. <laughs> You would think there's no sign that he rebelled or he was upset. There's nothing in scripture. As a matter of fact, he had faith even when the Lord tested him to sacrifice the only son that he waited 25 years for at the age of 100. His faith continued. So is the writer really, you know, did he pick out the perfect person? Not perfect. He's not perfect. Only God is. But as one to imitate, one to show us that when a promise is given, that it's going to be fulfilled. He continued on. In Genesis 22, verse 2, this is what the Lord said to him. Take now your son, your only son. I highlight there because this is the only time, the first time these two words are mentioned together, only son in the Bible. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. The first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I will tell you. The first time only son is mentioned. The first time love is mentioned in the Bible. Also, if you read the whole chapter, the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible. And the word lamb is mentioned in the Bible. Now, in Genesis chapter, you know, with the flood, it says, you lamb. You lamb, three times. But when you get to just the lamb, is the first time it's mentioned. And the reason why all these things are mentioned is because it points to and it speaks of God the Father, and his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Okay? And if you read the chapter, you find he's going to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is Golgotha. Mount Moriah is Calvary, where Christ was crucified. So where God had tested Abraham on that mountain is the very mountain that Jesus Christ would die and be crucified. Not only that, we look at it more just to show how God is behind us and this is all God planned. It's not some man that started to write a story. It wasn't Moses. Oh, you know, I'm going to write a nice story. Yeah. No, this, is, this was all prophesied. This was always planned from the very beginning in Genesis. You see, Isaac went up to the mountain with his father. Abraham, when the Lord told him, go to the mountain and sacrifice your son, he takes two of his servants with him. Who are the two? And it just points to, it gives you a picture of the two thieves on the cross. Isaac is carrying the wood. Who carried the wood to the mountain? Jesus Christ. And as Isaac carries the wood, he asks his father, Father, we have the wood. We have the fire. But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Abraham said, God would provide himself to sacrifice the lamb. 
God himself will. Going up with his son, wood, Isaac is carrying the wood. And he said, God himself will provide. And then when Jesse's about, he was about to complete the sacrifice. That's why the Old Testament kids need therapy. Just think, dad's going to kill me. But, you know, scholars, many believe, scholars believe that he's probably in his 20s, 30s. He's not like a little boy, okay? And so he's not putting up a fight. He said, I don't know what my old man's doing. He's probably going to see now. I'm going to have to put him in a nursing home or something. But he's going to tie me up. We're not playing cowboy and Indians. He's sacrificing me. And he said, just when he was about to, you know, just to complete the sacrifice, the Lord said, don't do it. And then in the thick, it was a ram, not a lamb. You understand? It was a ram. Why didn't the Lord provide a ram in the thicket? Because it's going it, to, the real lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, will be the one that will be the lamb of God for the sins of the world. So this picture, this picture talks about faith, about this man Abraham, Abraham continue in faith. He continue in faith after waiting 25 years for a son. The Lord tested him. He continued on. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrew goes on to explain that Abraham, though he was going to sacrifice his son, he knew that God, if he would complete the sacrifice, that God would raise him up again. Hebrew, the writer of Hebrew tells us in Hebrew chapter 11, verse 17 and 19, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding, here it is, that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. Abraham believed that, from which he also received him, in a figurative sense. So Abraham was a man of faith all the way to the end. Did he mess up all big time? But I think he's a perfect example of what faith is and, and being patient and waiting on God. Back to Hebrews chapter 6. Now, we looked at Abraham as being a good example. Now, let's look at the promises of God. You know, he made a promise to Abraham, a perfect example. Now, we're going to look at the promise of God, the immutable. It's immutable, irreversible, it's unchanging. God doesn't change. You know, we often hear promises, promises are made, and we also have people break those promises. However, God is God. And when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. He's a promise-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God. Let's look again at verse 13. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. When one would swear, they would swear or someone or something greater than they. So who's greater than God? No one. No one's greater than God. Swear to who? God is God. So he swore to himself, there's no one greater. Now, today we look at the swearing, you know, and so you, you probably hear today how people swear. Yeah, okay, I swear, you probably heard some of these. I swear in my mother's grave, right? I mean, what does that mean? If you're not telling the truth, your mother's going to rise from the grave and give you a spanking? What does that mean? I swear in my mother's grave. What's going to happen if you do lie? Or I swear in a stack of Bibles, What's going to happen if you do lie? This whole, all these Bibles going to come pile up on you and hit you in the head? I don't know. What does that mean? You hear people swearing all the time. The one that is evil and the one that is the worst of them all is when people say, I swear to God. That's the worst. I remember when I was a kid raised up, if you said those words, you got hit right in the mouth. And back in those days, you did not spare the rod for sure. Today, if you even look or mention the rod, you'll be reported. 
Today, kids, they're going to do that. You're going to report your parents and let them take you, <laughs> by all means. Um, but there's a problem. We're not talking about abuse, but that's something you wouldn't do. So the question is, should, can a Christian swear? can we swear? Should we swear? I'll give you the short answer. No. Long answer? No. <laughs> no. Because the Bible is clear when it comes to swearing, very clear about swearing. So this is important. This might be new for a lot of you, but that's why we study the word verse by verse. We come across these things here. James chapter 5, verse 12, it says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear. You know in the Greek, what does it mean? Do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. This is serious. Now, you know, James is most likely quoting from Jesus Christ because Jesus warns us of the same thing. In the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, Jesus says, But let your yes be yes and your no, no. Here it is. Here's the danger. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And how many could, you know, attest to that? Oh, I swear, swear. Oh, no, no, I'm telling the truth. The more they say that, the more I say, you're not telling the truth, you know, because your words are not good enough. You got to say something to add to it. And it's a danger. So anything beyond your yes and your no's, Jesus said it's from the evil one. Any swearing is from the evil one. We shouldn't swear. I'm not talking about swearing curse. I'm talking about swearing, you know, I swear in my mother's grave or a stack of Bibles. I swear on my cheeseburger. You know, whatever it is, definitely, you know, don't use the Lord's name in vain. You swear to God, you know, you're you ready. It's bad enough just swearing to your dog, you know, but to God, do not use the Lord's name in vain. And one swears to God, you know, I don't know what or when something will happen to you where you'll be judged, but you will be judged. Do not, do not take the word of God lightly. Do not use his name in vain. As a matter of fact, it's more than just using his name in vain, but it's how you live your life. You ever thought of that as a Christian? You carry the name Christ in your heart. You are a Christian. That's your title. That's who you are. Are you using the Lord's name in vain and the way you live? It's something to think about. But... The answer is no, we should not swear. Bible tells us that clearly. Back to Hebrew chapter 6, we're going to read 14, but let's, for context, let's read verse 13 into verse 14. The writer writes this, but when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear to no one greater, he swore by himself, verse 14, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiply and will multiply. Again, he's quoting Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 to 17, where he said he swears by his name. In verse 15, he goes on to say, and so after he, that is Abraham, patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And we've seen that. Now, Believing and having faith and listening to the promise of God, you know, that's, that's okay. We can do that. You know, we can have faith. You know, God has promised something. Yeah, have faith. We, all of us have a promise, you know, that we have eternal life. If we have repented and, re- and received Christ as Lord and personal Savior, and then when, when we die, we enter into the presence of God. That's the promise God has given us, right? But sometimes there might be some things that God promises, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. That's the problem I have, right? I'm looking at, I'm looking at Abraham, 25 years. Are you kidding me? You know, you know, you know, if the Lord said 25, which God does it, that's the good thing about it. He, you know, he's always on time, you know. Well, he's never on time, you know, what would they say? He's a moment, not a minute too soon or a moment too late. He's always on time. 
He may be late, but he's always on time. So, no, he's going to fulfill. But just thinking about that, if, if I really had to wait 25 years, oh, man, what am I going to do from there? That means I got to live 25 years. God, I don't want to live 25. I want to die, go to heaven already. That's me. I don't know about you. But anyway, I just can't wait. You know, I have a problem waiting. Believing and having the promise of God is one thing, but it's another thing waiting. And I find that hard to do. You know, we have instant God. You know, we want instant God because you have instant cash, instant coffee, you know, instant whatever. And we want instant God. We want instant promises. We want to see the results. We want to be blessed now. And even after we finish blessing, we want another blessing right now. Waiting, it's a problem. But Abraham waited 25 years. But can I tell you that that's when God does his best work when you're waiting? You know, we, we look at the promises of God, but not realizing that God is working in you. He's shaping and molding, molding you to be the man, the golly woman, the golly man he wants you to be. And during that time as you wait, God is working in you, and, and, and that's when God works best. Think about it. Abraham waited 25 years. What happened when they couldn't wait? Sarah said, oh, come on, Abraham, you know. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Well, here's Hagar. You know, they're trying to do in the flesh what God promised. He said, no, 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 no. That's not God's plan. You see, the whole purpose of bringing forth the Messiah was through birth, miraculous birth. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all were born miraculously. They were, it was a miracle how they were born because the birth of Jesus was also a miracle, you see. The Messiah coming is, it's a miracle. So that lineage there, there's a lot going on because it, it works out well. And so the waiting, there's something happens. You know, we, we serve the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And quite often we see, okay, this is what's in the Bible. You know, yeah, that's a miracle. That's why it's in the Bible because it's a miracle. It's special. No, but God does this all the time. And we're going we're gonna to study that. We, we serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever. God shows partiality to no one. God doesn't love Abraham more than he loves you. He loves us all the same. And he has the same plan for all of us. He died on the cross for all of us. Salvation is for all. Okay? And so, and God works the same way, but do we have faith? We're patiently waiting. And we want to move the hand of God. Quite often, let me tell you, I've learned not to move the hand of God. Because, you know, like what Chuck Smith would say, it is not inspiration where it smells sweet and is of God. It's perspiration. It's of the flesh and it stinks. It's better to allow God to do things. And what happens with what, what Sarai couldn't wait, right? So she said, okay, here's Hagar. Now, God made a covenant. We're going to talk a little bit about that. That's the reason why they multiplied. And we're going to get to that. But, but understand this. Another thing, we look at God fulfilling this promise to Abraham. Incredible story. When God gave that promise and he fulfilled the promise, it had nothing to do with Abraham. It wasn't dependent on Abraham at all. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the New. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. 
Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.